Pentecost. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, as you are turning your, uh, in your Bibles or on your phones or tablets or whatever you're using there, um, let me begin by saying it was a rite of passage. It was the first big step to independence. It was the first taste of freedom. Do you remember that time? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was getting your driver's license. How many of you remember doing that? Do you remember that, getting your driver's license? How, how nervous you were when the patrolman sat next to you and, you know, all the various things you did. You wanted to go the speed limit and do everything, and then rightly so. We, we want you to do all of that. But long before you took your driver's test, there might have been something. Now, I don't know how far back this, this went, but how many of you remember the simulators that they brought to school? Anybody? Oh, Wow. There's not as many as I remember. So, uh, and it was usually the, uh, the, the, the tractor trailer hall there and, and about you and 20 other friends would go into this, into this simulator and you'd sit in these little cars and they'd play something on the screen and different scenarios about driving and, and, and it simulated the driving experience. But if you have driven for very long, you know that it's one thing to sit in a simulator but it's something very different to sit behind the wheel of a car. Anyway, and one of the things that they teach you in driver's education is to not just watch the, the, the road in front of your car, but to do what? To, to scan the horizon, to, to watch for things that are coming. You, you're coming to a stop sign or a, or a red light, and you're watching as things are coming. So you're paying attention. In some ways, that's what Paul is going to be talking to us about, about our spiritual vision that, that to be faithful to the task at hand, to bear up when trials and sufferings, that we are reminded to look to our future, to scan the horizon, that all the things that we might have experienced, the pain, the hard work, the, the self-denial, even maybe being ridiculed at times, all of those things will pale in comparison to our time when we get to spend time with God in his glory. Once we get to heaven, all that we've dealt with here will be insignificant. And so while we are brokenhearted for the loss of our loved ones, we are rejoicing that they are in turn with the Lord. But my question this morning that I sort of want to begin with is this. If I were to ask you, does God hear our prayers? What would you say? What would you say? Now, I know what you're thinking, but don't go by this question too quickly. If, if your question is, well, yes, a quick answer, maybe it is too quick and it not, has not yet been tested. Or you say, yes, but maybe that's a qualified answer and you didn't get the answer that you wanted. Maybe you would answer, well, not always. Might that be a doubtful answer? that questions the process. Maybe you would say no. And, and maybe that would be a faithless answer because it does not believe in God or prayer or, or the situation. But maybe, just maybe, you'd answered it, well, yes, and, and then go on to proceed to tell us your story about how God has been faithful. It's a believing answer that God has been faithful. So how do you pray 
when you don't know what to say. Lots of people wrestle with this idea of God's faithfulness. Does he hear my prayers? We sing about it, we preach about it, we read scripture about it, and we are reminded of God's faithfulness. And faithfulness really is a part of God's character. It's who he is. But do we fully comprehend that when life takes a turn, and maybe it takes a turn that we didn't expect or have to endure something that seems unbearable, we usually ascribe God's faithfulness to the affirmative or to the positive. When things are well, we say, oh, yes, God is faithful. But do we ever talk about God's faithfulness and what it doesn't mean or when it's been difficult? Triella Newbell poses this question, and this is what she writes. She said, faithfulness doesn't mean that God will answer every prayer the way you pray. When things are going well and it seems that we're getting what we desire, perhaps because of an answer to prayer, we may be quick to acknowledge that God's goodness and faithfulness is evident. But the real challenge to our belief in God's faithfulness is when we continue to experience unanswered prayers or when trials of life begin to squeeze us like a lemon juicer, she says. And it's hard, and it's sour, and it doesn't feel right. Can we still say and believe that God is faithful for those reasons or those seasons? We can, and we should. God doesn't promise to give us everything that we desire, nor is, he faith, is his faithfulness based on such a promise. But as we will see, he will work all things together for the good of those who love him. And he's the one that determines what is good. If we knew all that Jesus knows, we'd trust him fully and rest. This truth helps us to rest in the faithfulness of God even during difficult times. God also doesn't exercise degrees of faithfulness. He's not faithful to some and unfaithful to others. He can bring, it can bring, become tempting to, to scan our lives and think that God has withheld his faithfulness because things didn't turn out the way we had anticipated. Or somehow we are watching our neighbors and their good fortune and we think, well, God must be faithful and he's answering prayer to them and I'm not experiencing those same kind of things, so God must not be hearing my prayers. But is that what Scripture says? No. In fact, what do we pray when we don't know what to say? Our text is very familiar. Romans 8, beginning in verse 26, says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. Now watch this. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So a couple of things this morning. The first is, 
I want us to be reminded that there is an assistance that happens. There, there will be times in your life when words will fail you as to what really is on your heart. If you and I might have a conversation, you might say, Pastor, there have been times that I, 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 I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I, I, it just seemed that life came at me such, and, and I just didn't have the words. But what does it say in verse, in 20, in verse 26? Well, actually, let me go on to verse 27 here. It says this. Oh, let me back up one. We'll go back one. There we go. And it says the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what to pray for, nor how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Now, it's interesting. If you, if you go back a couple of verses, Paul has been moving in a progression. Back in verses 20 and 21, he talks about creation. And because man sinned way back when, even creation has been cursed. It, it talks about the the, the land that Adam would now have to till up, and, and all of creation is groaning because of that. And then he moves on into verse 23, and he says, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And so creation is groaning, and mankind is groaning, and then we get to the Holy Spirit, and even the Holy Spirit prays with those kind of prayers, those kind of prayers that, that come from deep down inside, not just, not just a, a head kind of prayer, not, not just something that, that, that's flippant and we go right on by, by, but the kind of prayer that gets you right here. Do you know what I'm talking about? How does the Holy Spirit help? Because we don't know what to pray and we don't know how to pray, so the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit prays in accordance to God's will. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Now, it's interesting. I, I've shared this sometimes on our Wednesday night years ago, and, and it was something I found in, in Streams in the Desert. And it said, have you ever thought about how God does answer your prayer? Have you ever thought of this? It's simply that sometimes when we pray, watch what happens next, and sometimes we forget to, to put the two together. Now, let me give you a couple of examples. We pray for patience, and what happens? The Father sends us situations or people that try our patience. The Scripture says, because suffering produces perseverance. Okay, we pray for a submissive spirit. And God sends suffering again, and we, we learn to be obedient in the same way that Christ did, that, that he learned obedience from what he suffered. We pray to be unselfish. And God gives us opportunities to sacrifice by placing maybe other people's needs in our pathway, and we have to respond accordingly. We pray for strength and humility. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 12, a messenger of Satan comes to torment us until we lie on the ground pleading for, in fact, Paul says, you know, three times he talked about that, the thorn in the flesh. Do you, do you have a thorn in the flesh? Now, 
Hopefully there's not some person's name associated with that. Maybe. And we pray, we pray for the Lord to increase our faith. And all of a sudden there's a flat tire or the car breaks down or the kids need shoes. or so, And all of a sudden the things that we were going to exercise in faith, all of a sudden our money runs dry and we have to believe that God will help us. We pray for gentleness and quickly face a storm of temptation. We pray for, we pray for gentleness or quietness and suddenly we're in situations where every nerve in our body is stressed. Why? Because we're learning in those moments to depend upon God. Oh, we'd love for there to be, you know, what we pray is this, God give me patience, boom, and it's done. But that's not usually what happens. What happens is that we go through situations in life and it teaches us how to depend upon God. That's why Jesus said it's good for me to go away in John 14 because if I go away, I will send the, I will send the comforter, the Holy Spirit. He also talks about an assurance, an assurance. The promise is, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If there's probably one verse of scripture that is misunderstood in the Bible, it is this one. It is this one. Now let me help us. The promise is to be claimed, not ignored. If you still have it in your Bibles, it says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. The word know, in its original language, it means to take possession of absolute, unshakable confidence. It's not, well, we think God can handle it. We think that's the situation. No, we know. We were talking about this in our, in our staff a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know, when you know that you know, nobody can talk you out of it, right? Is there anybody that doubts the fact that two plus two is five? When you know that, did you, did you know that five out of four people have a problem with math? No. Nobody's going to talk you out of the fact that two plus two is four. Why? Because you know. And when we know that God works in our favor, when God works in our lives, people don't have to. That's where our faith comes in. The project is also God, not ours. The passage says God causes all things to work together. Please observe that it does not say God causes all things to occur. We could get into big philosophical and theological things about God's ultimate will and his permissive will. But if you go out here and blatantly disregard some traffic laws and somebody hits you, God's not going to say, you know what, I'm just going to see what happens when I bring these two cars together. God doesn't act like that. But we know that God does work. And he works so that we can trust in him in our best interests. The plan is also total, not partial. He says all things work together for good. And there are going to be a lot of times when we don't always see or even understand how the events in our lives could possibly be good for us. But simply because we may be unable to figure out all the way, whys and all the hows does not imply that God 
is without good reason or that he has lost control. It makes me feel comfortable to say, God, I trust in you. I don't know why things are happening the way they're doing. I don't know why the things have done these kind of things. And God, I want to be responsible. I want to be a good steward. God's given me a brain to make decisions. But ultimately, God, I don't understand, and I may not understand until years later. Have you ever been in a situation, and it might have been years later, when that situation happens, and you go, that's why I, that's why I went through that years ago. Because now I know how to respond to that. I know what God is doing. And if God had answered prayer the way I prayed back then, it would not have been according to his will. And it would have been something drastically different so that when we yield to him, we can say, God, I don't know. I can't even figure out the tax code when I'm doing my taxes. How am I supposed to figure out life? So God, I'm just going to trust you. Man, is that ever freeing? That just takes a load off my back. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not concerned. It doesn't mean that we don't make good choices and we're not good stewards and we're still human. But God says, trust me. Why? Because the purpose is good, not evil. The Lord is for us, not against us. There's also not only an assistance and an assurance, there is a reassurance. Scripture says, in verse 31, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? Why? Because God didn't even send his, he, he didn't even spare his own son. He sent us his son to die for us. And the scripture says in verse 33, who dares accuse us when God, when God has chosen us? Why? Because he's given us right standing before him. And when the scripture says in verse 34, who then can condemn us? It was Christ who died for us. So the question is, can anything, anything ever separate us from the love of Christ? Well, the Scripture, the scripture answers it for us. It says, when we, does, does he no longer love us if we have trouble or calamity? Do you have trouble or calamity in your life? Oh, that's a great word, isn't it? Calamity, when was the last time you used that word? No. Or if we're persecuted or hungry or cold, in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And verse 38 says, and I'm convinced <laughs> that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Now we make, make stupid mistakes we might try to run from him and do it, but that does not diminish God's love for you and for me. He is always wooing us back. In fact, I heard one evangelist, I think it was Stephen Manley, who was talking about God sends no one to eternal separation in hell. Did you know that? And, and basically what he's saying is, he's, boy, I could use a well, I could show, I don't know if I want to use that illustration. How many of you know who Gandalf is? Lord of the Rings? All right. You'll get it. If I, if I said something, you shall not pass. Do you understand where I'm going with that? You get that? Those of you who are online, yes, some of you are going, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. There are other of you who are going, what in the world is the pastor talking about? It's just this. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be separated from me, 
you got to get past me first. Isn't that a great thought? If you're going to go that way, you've got to get by me first because I'm going to do everything I can to stop you. I'm going to give you those, those promptings to say, stop now, stop now, it's not too late, stop now. And God is always wooing us to himself. In essence, he's saying, if you're going to live, if you're going to do those things, you've got to get past me first. And because of our free will, there are times he will let us because he loves us. In Romans 1, basically what he's saying is this, I love you enough to allow you to make those choices. And when you come to the discovery that you no longer can handle that, I will still be here. And I still love you. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that there is a redeeming quality about God? So, let me see if I can put all this together. Let me see if I can, what do we do with it? So how do we answer this question, how to pray when I don't know what to say? A couple of quick steps. Here we go. All right. First of all, get away. Get away. Eliminate the distractions. Find a quiet place of rest. Matthew 6, 6 says this, but when you pray, Jesus said, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. Pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. You live out publicly what you believe and pray for privately. You ever notice that? When you do those things privately, it begins to be reflected in your public life. And those two things will match. Jesus many times said to his disciples, let's go away. Let's get away by ourselves. Let's pray. Where did Jesus find his strength? He found it in communion with God. And I realize there's probably not anyone here today that is not experiencing some kind of stress in your life. It could be gas prices. It could be mortgage. It could be that you're, after this week in the stock market, your retirement is taking a tumble. It could be all of those things. But we find our strength not in the stock market, not on the internet, not on all the things that are going on. We find our strength in our communion by saying to God, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know where to go. God, I feel like I'm drowning on the boat. But here's the great thing. If you're in the boat, make sure you got Jesus in the boat. Because that's where Jesus was. And what did Jesus do? Jesus got up and he stilled the raging storm. Oh, Jesus sometimes allows us to go through some storms to trust in him. So first of all, get away. Here's the second one. It's just get real. These aren't real, these aren't real big theological statements. They're just more practical. Get real. Tell God what's on your heart. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. When was the last time you took some time to tell God what was all you needed? 
Now we can do that superficial, superficial, really quickly. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't just come out right. And, and we can and we can be in the car, and those are the kind of prayers. But those are that's 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 icing on the cake. And you, and while icing is delicious, you can't live on on dessert. And so we take some time to say, God, I, I don't know. I'm just being real with you. It's like having a conversation, Lord, I don't know what to do or what to say and how to say it, but I acknowledge that you do and you will help me. So get away, get real. Here's the third, get directions. Lord, show me how to pray for this situation. The Holy Spirit will help us. I learned this prayer principle years ago. If you don't know what to pray or you have been praying about a situation and it just sort of seems like you have hit a wall or you don't know what to say and things aren't moving and it just seems really stagnant, I've learned this principle and here it is, just stop. Just stop and back up and say, God, I don't know how to pray for this. I don't know what you want me to do. I've been praying in this direction and God, I, I'm not getting anywhere. So I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask you, show me how to pray for this situation. And you know what? God is faithful. Because maybe, maybe he was saying, yes, you're on the right track, but I need you to stop and I need to reposition you so that you could be praying according to my will. And when we pray according to his will, the scripture says he's more than willing to answer those requests. So get directions. Here's number four. Get inspired. And you say, well, pastor, I would if I could get inspired. Well, let me tell you how. Sometimes, we pray the scriptures. We make them personal. If we don't have words to say and we don't necessarily know how to say it or when to say it or all that we've been talking about, then I would encourage you to pick up your Bible and to begin to read it and to pray the scriptures. The Lord, you are my shepherd. I don't have any wants. I'm so glad you lead me to the valley of the shadow of death. I am so glad, Lord, that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You see, you just make it personal. It's God's word. So let me give you a couple of, we're almost done, and Aaron's gonna become here in a minute, and we're gonna close in a song. So let me give you, let me give you a quick example here. Psalm 147, verse three says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Maybe you could pray, if you're dealing with tragedy in your life, maybe you would pray something like this, God, I am heartbroken. I'm angry, fill in the gap, whatever. And, and God, even if you're mad at God, God's got broad shoulders. You can't stay there, but it's okay to express it to him. I don't know how to possess, process what's happened. But I need you to hear me in my pain and I've got a hole in me from this situation and I need you to fill it. 
You said that you would heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. God, would you do that for me? I know it will take time, but I'm going to try my best to keep talking to you and to trust you that you see me and that you want to heal me. Amen. Or maybe, like in Psalm 13, I'm hurting, Lord. Will you forget me forever? How much longer, Lord, will you look the other way when I'm in need? How much longer must I cling to this constant grief? I'm endured this shaking of my soul. How much longer will my enemy have the upper hand? And sometimes we're angry at God and we've just got some things boiling up inside of us. And we say something like this, God, I am so angry at you right now. Do you even see what's happening? Do you even care? I'm struggling to see your plan or a way forward. I'm taking everything I have to even say these words. I need you to speak to me, to show me that you see me. So I'm going to risk it all and reach out to you. I'm going to ask you to take this pain to show me that you love me, that you've not abandoned me, and that you want to heal me. Or lastly, John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Maybe you would pray something like this if you are suffering with fear and anxiety. God, I am scared and I am full of fear right now. There are thoughts and ideas and circumstances that want to send me into a dark place. But I need you and your light because, Jesus, you said, I am the light of the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light. And I want that light, Lord. Show me how to move from the darkness to the light. Show me what it means to embrace you. Move me from fear to love, from chaos to peace. May I feel your presence and know that I am not alone, that darkness will not win in my life. Help me to believe that I am protected and loved by the creator of the universe. You see, when we don't know what to say, God does. He's given us his word. And sometimes we just pray his word. God, I don't have the words to say. And so when we don't, how do we pray when we don't know what to say? We just get alone. We just get away. We just get real with God. But here's the last thing. The last thing is this, is get going. Is get going. And it's the questions that I've been asking you the last several weeks. What is the Lord saying to you? And the second question is, how are you responding to what he's saying? You see, this is what we've been dealing with the last, this whole month about prayer. God, man, I don't know. And I don't know what words to say, but God, I'm coming to you this morning. And so, God, I'm going to speak the words of faith to remind myself, God, that you are faithful. 
You are faithful in physical things. You are faithful in spiritual things, financial things, relational things. Whatever it is, God, you are faithful this morning. And so we're going to sing that great hymn of the church, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And maybe you here this morning or maybe watching online just need to be reminded this morning of God's faithfulness. Oh, you might not have words to say, but Jesus does. God's Word does. And know that when we express those things, that God, through His Holy Spirit, knows exactly what we're saying and takes them with groanings too deep for words. And what does He do? He brings them to the Father. So this morning, are you going to bring it to the Father this morning? Whatever it might be. Now, as we sing this song, I hope that you'll be encouraged. But there might be some here this morning that would just like to come and pray for whatever reason. It's a great place to just come and talk with God. Maybe if you're at home, you could just kneel down right where you are. Or if it's too difficult to just close your eyes and take your Bible and hold it close. And say, God, I don't know what words to say right now. But I know your word can speak to my heart. So as I read, as I listen, as I pray, as I get real with you, God, would you just speak to me? Would your grace just overflow my heart? Would you just fill me with the reminder of your faithfulness today? And I know that God will this morning. Would you stand with me? And as we sing this song, if you want to just come and pray, I'd encourage you to pray. But let's just lift our hearts this morning and let's just remember about God's faithfulness. When we don't know what to pray, we don't know what to say, God does. Let's sing this morning. This is-